Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Come on, we've been in a series uh, last week and this week and next week called The Benefits of Being Stuck. And, you know, I have some real thoughts for you today. And I'm, I'm going to kind of, I got a real meal prepared. Uh, and so get your bib out, get your fork and your knife out, because I'm going to feed you today. And uh, we got a word for you today that I believe is going to encourage you and challenge you. And uh, it's going to allow, I believe, you to get a, a better picture on the season of maybe stuck you're in or the season of waiting that you're in for your life. And so we've been talking about Joseph, Genesis 37, and then Genesis 39 to 50. If you read Genesis 38, you'll be like, whoa, that was a big turn. <laughs> so for those of you who read Genesis 38, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's a little bit awkward. You go from 37 to 39 in the middle, something weird. So read it. If you want some good, entertaining Jerry Springer stuff, read Genesis 38. But we skipped that and we went right to 30, 39. But we're going to talk today about uh, the journey of Joseph getting stuck in the pit and then uh, eventually being sold into slavery into Potiphar's house. And I don't think that's the microphone. I think it might be our fans. So I don't think they can fix it. Just so you know, if you're wondering, when are they going to fix that ringing? It's just the fan. Okay. You all right? All right. Let's go. Last week we talked about Joseph was a young man of 17 years old. And uh, this young man was the, the youngest of 10 older brothers. His, he, his dad was married to his mom, and then his dad had three other half-moms. And so there's some uh, complications for you. And uh, they, these 10 older brothers hated Joseph. They hated Joseph because Joseph uh, was his dad's favorite child. We know this because Joseph was given a coat of many colors as a representation that basically was a shirt that said, I'm dad's favorite and you're not. And it was this, this coat that he would wear everywhere with him, wherever he went. And basically, he didn't really have to work much. He didn't really have to do much. He was just dad's favorite. And so his brothers just did not like Joseph at all. They didn't like him. They didn't want to be around him. Every time Joseph would go out to try to be around his brothers, he would always find something wrong and he would go tell his dad, dad, our brother, brothers are being stupid again. And then they would get in trouble. And so they, they just didn't have a really, really great relationship with Joseph. And uh, Joseph was told to go out to the field to find his brothers uh, and to report back to, what, uh, to his dad what was going on. And so he was headed out that direction. And the Bible says that from a, from a distance that these brothers saw Joseph from a distance. And as before he got there, they said to themselves, let's kill our brother. Let's throw him in, the, in this cistern, this, this big pit with no water. Let's throw him down there, and then we're going to kill him. This, this dreamer, he had a dream from God that, that one day we're going to bow down before him. One day, mom and dad and all of the brothers are going to bow down before him. He had this crazy dream. He decided to tell us this dream. The dream's not real. We don't know what he was thinking, but obviously he thinks he's better than we are. And Joseph's dream talked about this idea that one day there, he'd be this great, great man of God, but Joseph didn't really know what it meant. So he tells his brothers this dream. His brothers were upset. He's come, the, Joseph's on his way to go out and see his brothers. They saw him from afar off. They plotted to kill him. And right before they were about to, to do that, Reuben piped up and said, no, 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 don't, don't, don't do that. Just throw him in the pit and then we'll sell him into slavery. How about that? And then, and then, and then Reuben was going to go and save Joseph's. Life. And so the scripture says in Genesis 37, 
When Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty and there was no water in it. And so they threw him in this pit and then eventually they realized that slave traders were coming and they decided instead of killing our brother, let's just sell him into slavery. In those days, they had no technology. So when someone got sold into slavery, it was like poof, they were just gone. They were like written away from the existence of their father and their mother. And so that's what happened in this story. And today what we're gonna look at we're going to look at the pit and we're going to look at Potiphar's house, which comes next, where Joseph was eventually sold into slavery to a man named Potiphar who worked for King Pharaoh. And so here in this story, I want to give you three different things, three different benefits about being stuck. Three benefits about being in a season of waiting. So if you take a note, you can write this first one down here this morning. The benefits of being stuck help us identify the blind spots in our lives. It helps us identify blind spots in our lives. So maybe you're here today and you feel stuck. Maybe you're stuck at your job and you want to get another job. Maybe you're stuck being single and you want to get married. Maybe you're stuck in a marriage and you don't know what to do and it's falling apart and and part of you says, man, I want to end it. Part of you says, I should keep it going. Maybe you're stuck today in, in a season of your life where you're feeling discouraged about your life or maybe you just feel stuck. You just feel like you're in a season of a pit today. And you say, Ryan, what's the benefit? Well, how can I see any value? Well, today, understand this, that the benefit of being in the pit is that it helps us identify the blind spots in our lives that will keep us from fulfilling God's call on our lives. There's blind spots in our lives. Every single person here today has an area of their life that they're not aware of. And Joseph here was thrown into a pit, left for dead, left in a place. I'm sure Joseph, when he got thrown into the pit, he probably started crying out, help me. He started freaking out, wanting God to help and wanting his brothers to help. And he started feeling like, God, why am I here? And I don't deserve this. And God, what have I done wrong? And what got me here? And why am I, what's wrong, God? What did I do wrong to get into this place? And why did my brothers do this to me? And why did this happen? And he probably was frustrated about being in the place of the pit. And you have to recognize something that during the season of being in the pit, you have to do some self-discovery. You have to begin to ask yourself the question, was there something in my life that got me to the place of being in this pit? Look at this verse in Psalms 139, 23. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Now, Joseph had a lot of reasons to, to, to think that he did not deserve to be in the pit. It was my brother's fault. It was, it was their, all, their issue and their fault and it was their problem and they're the ones who hated me. They're the ones who took advantage of me. They're the ones that threw me in this place. But as we read the story, we might not agree with it, but we might understand maybe why Joseph was thrown in the pit. When Joseph was afar off from his brothers, how do you think they recognized him from afar off? He was wearing that darn coat. And from afar, they see that big pattern, the big letters, I'm dad's favorite and you're not. And little did Joseph know that even though he didn't realize he was being a bit pretentious, he didn't realize he was being a bit prideful, he didn't realize that he was being a little bit of a, you know, fun of a favorite, he didn't even realize it. It's not like Joseph was a bad guy. It's not like Joseph was an evil person. It's not like Joseph was vindictive and that I'm gonna put this on today just to put it in my brother's faces. I don't think Joseph was like that. Joseph had a blind spot in his life that he did not see and it was because of that blind spot that he got thrown into the pit in the first place. Yeah, yeah. 
It was this blind spot in his life that kept him in that place. And often, we often do the same thing when we find ourselves stuck or in a pit. We say, man, it was my dad's fault or it was my mom's fault or it was my, my boss's fault or it was the pastor's fault. And yes, those different individuals may have played a role, but you and I have to take personal responsibility for the blind spots in our lives that we just do not see. And what God wants to do in this season is he wants to help identify this area of your life so that you can begin to go farther in God and, and, and fulfill the dream of God for your life. If you're not careful, you, if you don't allow God to work on the blind spots in your life, you will get to the palace but have a blind spot that will derail you from experiencing all that God has for you. And so we want to allow God to come and work on this blind spot in our life. We want God to come and work on this area of our heart. Look at the scripture in Psalms 19, 12, and 13. Who can discern their own errors? So who has the ability to look at their own life and see their blind spots? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I'll be blameless in a sin of great transgression. So here the author identifies two types of wrongdoing, two types of sin. One of them is presumptuous. We know what we're doing. We're premeditating the sin. We're premeditating what we're about to do. That's called a willful sin. But then there are hidden faults in our lives. But listen, give yourself a break today. You didn't know it's there. It's hidden. There are areas in our lives that are blind spots. Yes, maybe your spouse sees it. Or maybe your, maybe your friend sees it. Maybe your pastor sees it. Maybe your boss sees it. And you're like, no way, man, that's not me. But in reality, God's using this season to reveal this and bring this out of your life so that you can be all that God wants you to be, so you can fulfill the plans and the purposes of God for your life. And that blind spot won't derail you. That blind spot won't hurt you. That blind spot won't leave you in the dust And that's why God allows us to stay in these stuck seasons because we have to do some self-reflection in our own life and say, Lord, forgive me of my hidden faults. And here's the best part about serving Jesus. God removes our transgressions from us as far as the east is from the west. The Bible says that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. So you might be here today saying, why would I ask forgiveness for something that was hidden? It doesn't matter. Just do it. It doesn't matter. I didn't see it. God, I didn't even know I was being prideful right now. Please forgive me. This happens all the time. I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize that I was being a jerk to that person. Or sometimes I just want to, honey, I didn't even realize I was being like an arrogant person to you or selfish right now. Oh my gosh, I am so sorry. Forgive my hidden faults. If you can learn to ask God to forgive you for the areas of hidden blind spots in your life, guess what? Your time in the pit may not be so long. You might experience some breakthrough in your life by humbling yourself, asking God to forgive you. And he says, all right, let's get going. I just had you here for that moment. It's okay. You're all good. I love you, son and daughter. I approve of you. I care for you. But recognize that pride in your life. It's not going to help you when you get into the palace. You got to get it out right now. Come on. The second thought here today, benefits of being stuck, helps us decipher God's voice. Look at this verse. So this is when Joseph is coming to his brothers. He's on his way to go to his brothers. And look what, look what the, the scripture says. They saw him in the distance. And before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer. They said to each other, come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him. 
from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into the cistern here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this, to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. This verse, we see two different voices, two different messages being sent to Joseph. One brother wanted to throw him in the pit to destroy him. One brother wanted to throw him in the pit to rescue him. There are always two messages when it comes to our stuck season. There's always two voices, God's voice and the enemy's voice. God allows us to be in the pit to redeem us and to rescue us. The enemy wants us in the pit to destroy us. He leaves us in the pit to cause destruction where we start thinking, man, I deserve better. I don't deserve to be in this pit. I don't deserve to be here. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Or you start thinking, man, I'm not good enough. And I, uh, you're right. I ain't a good father. I'm not a good dad. Or you're right. I'm never, no one's ever going to want to marry me or I'm never going to be in a good relationship or my marriage is never going to get restored. Or, man, I'm going to be stuck in this stinking job the rest of my life. I'm never going to experience that promotion that I've been wanting. What the devil does is the devil begins to speak words of destruction into your mind and we love to to receive the message of the enemy. The message of the enemy is condemnation. The message of God is conviction. Condemnation is when you and I, it's general. It's this idea, this, this general idea that you and I are bad. When the devil brings condemnation, it's thoughts like, I'm a bad person. I'll never measure up. I'll never make it. I am not good enough. It's always a generalization about us that makes us feel badly. Conviction is specific and always leads us into a closer relationship with Jesus. When I have a relationship with Jesus, what happens? I got life and I got joy and I got faith and patience and peace in my life. When I'm growing closer to Jesus, my life is changing. Condemnation, the words of condemnation and the lies of the devil during this stuck season. He wants to keep you from experiencing the dream that God has on your life. And so he's going to keep lying to you and condemning you and saying, let's just throw him in the pit to destroy him. This devil comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. He says, yeah, you're not good enough. Yeah, you'll never make it. Yeah, you'll never be married. Yeah, you'll never, you'll never. You are, you're this, you're that. Yeah, right. God comes and says, hey, I want you to work on that pride in your life. And you say, okay, God, I'm going to humble myself. Forgive me. He says, fantastic. I'm going to pour my grace out on you. I'm going to pour my love out on you. I'm going to pour my mercy out on you. Come on, God. I love this, God. I love this season right now. Even though I hate my job, God, and even though I'm not in a good relationship with my spouse, God, I love my job and I love my spouse. Don't worry. It's not a (laughs) subliminal messaging there. I'm like, I cry for help. Just kidding. It's not. Don't go and decipher that on the conspiracy YouTube channels. He said this. Did he mean that? Just kidding. Little sorry, my mind went way off there. (laughs) You cannot accept the condemnation and the lies of the devil because in this pit you have two choices. I can choose God's word or I can choose the enemy's word. I can choose condemnation, then there must be something wrong with me. No one ever, I'm never gonna get married. There must be something wrong with me. That's a secret lie from the devil. We cannot embrace these ideas in our lives, these lies. And look at the scriptures, John three seventeen. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Yeah. Look at this, but to yes. save. Yeah. Why would God put me in a pit? Well, first he wants to identify your blind spots yeah. and then he wants to save you. Yeah. He's actually saving you from yourself. Mm-hmm. So good. 
Because left to yourself, you will build a kingdom that will fail. But if you just embrace the pit season, asking to forgive you of your hidden faults, <laughs> recognize that he's trying to speak to you and you've got to stop accepting the lies of the devil because God did not send his son into the world to condemn you. He came to save you from yourself. Romans 8, 1, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you're in Christ Jesus, guess what? You ain't got condemnation. So if I have condemnation, what does that mean? I must not be in Christ. I must be accepting the message and the lies of the evil one. God's perspective on the pit, you gotta get it. That he has a plan, that there's a benefit from the pit. I don't like my job. We'll lean in because God's got a benefit for you. Man, my marriage relationship's tough. We'll lean in. God's got something great. Man, being single's hard. Guess what? I get it. I've been there. Lean in. I got married to the most beautiful girl on the planet. Hello. Because I leaned in and recognized, God, this season is not by a mistake. It's not just a mistake. You're working in my life. You're working in my heart. You're revealing blind spots. You're showing me what's going to derail me in the future. I'm beginning to hear your voice. I'm not allowing the, the words of the enemy longer. Now, I'm going to read a verse here, and you're not going to like it, but I love it because it's a powerful verse. Look at this. Psalms 119, verse 71. It was good for me to be afflicted. What? Doesn't sound like the narrative that we most have. What do you mean it was good for me to be afflicted? Well, look what the author says. That I might learn your decrees. It was good for me to be in a stuck season so that I might hear your word. It's good for me to be in this season because then I heard your voice. It's good for me to be in this season because I begin to allow a narrative of condemnation in my life. I just was going through with my life and I was accepting that this life that I have, that, that, that I'm frustrated by and that I'm bothered by and that I'm irked by, this is just the, light, the, deck, of, the deck of cards that I've been dealt. He says, no, no, it's good for you to be afflicted because then you can hear God's voice. That you are more than a conqueror through Christ who gives you strength. That he has a plan for your life. That he has abundance for your life. There's a dream for your life and a ministry for your life and a purpose for your life. And yes, you can go ahead and try to build it on your own, but it will end with the Tower of Babel in confusion. Yes. Yeah. It's good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. All right, the last one here today. You're going to have a great lunch today. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> Benefits of being stuck today teaches us to delay today what God wants for us tomorrow. Delayed gratification. Now, what happened was, is that Joseph was sold into slavery. He was taken uh, down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Potiphar's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. So Joseph went from a pit 700 kilometers away to uh, a marketplace where he was shackled like a slave and he was sold into the hands of Potiphar. Now, it just so happens that on this day, Potiphar, who was the chief executioner for Pharaoh, he was the one who cut people's heads off. He was the chief security guard. It just so happens that it took, probably I don't know how long it takes you, 700 kilometers on a, a wooden wagon, but he traveled 700 kilometers to this place. And on that Tuesday at 10 a.m., it just so happens that Potiphar happened to need a new slave to help him in his house. And he just so happened that Potiphar walked down that day to that marketplace, to that slave trader in that moment. I don't know about you, but I have to understand that God has a plan for my life. 
that when I allow the pit season and I ask God to reveal the blind spots in my life and I begin to decipher God's voice in my heart, I recognize that Joseph got into that place and he had nothing to do with him. He was thrown into the pit. He was pulled out of the pit. He was sold into slavery. He just so happened to find Potiphar. It had nothing to do with Joseph. It had nothing to do with Joseph's credentials. It had nothing to do with Joseph's degrees. It had nothing to do with Joseph's good or bad behavior. Literally, Joseph found himself on the journey towards God's will simply by the sovereignty of God. Just so happens that Potiphar showed up, picked Joseph, brought him into his house. I want you to realize something, that if you let God, he will position you for the next season of your life. He will. All throughout scripture, we see it. He will position you if you trust him. He will position you. He'll bring you into relationship with that that spouse. He'll bring you that job opportunity. He'll create that moment for you. He, He will. God is sovereign. He's involved. He cares about your life. Stop thinking that God doesn't care about the minute details of your life. He absolutely does. Trust him for one moment. That he, If he wants to take you from the pit to the, to the slave trader into the marketplace, he's going to do that. And he wants to do it when your heart is open and yielded to say, God, forgive me of my blind areas. Help me to accept your voice. And God, help me to recognize that I am on the journey towards what you have for me. But something happens when you and I are on this journey. We see he got into the season. I want you to see this very clearly. Look what happened. God brought Joseph into the Potiphar's house. And look what it says. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. It doesn't say why. Was Joseph nice to Potiphar? Was Joseph like read his Bible for 14 hours? Did he like speak in tongues? Did he like pray? Did he like give his money? We don't know. We just know that God was with him. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. And he lived in the house of the Egyptian master. And when his master saw the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything that he owned. Come on, life was good for Joseph. He went from a pit to being the number one in charge of Potiphar's house. He was there in Potiphar's house. Everything he had was given to him. The Potiphar had nothing in his purview except for the things that he ate and his wife. Like Joseph's life was good. He's being blessed. God's with him. God's providing for him. God's giving him joy. God's giving him relationship. Things are going great in Joseph's life. God's positioning him. And then one day, there's an interruption. One day, Joseph experiences a distraction. Look at the verse that says here, Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man and Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. Come and sleep with me out of nowhere. Joseph had an opportunity to derail what God was doing in his life. At that moment, he could have met his own desires. He could have leaned in and met his desires and been selfish in that moment, but he had to refuse to give himself to something today that God was reserving for tomorrow. I want to tell you something that I experience every time I talk to people. Every single time someone gives their life to the Lord, guess what happens? They get into uh, some strapping young guy comes along who isn't serving the Lord and derails them. 
Every time. Every time someone settles in to the realities of what God's doing in their life and all of a sudden, and I'm not saying they're all the devil, hear me out, some of them are us too. We create opportunities for ourselves that aren't the Lord either, but it's also the devil. And what happens is, is we get into the Monday and the consistency and the normalcy of life and God's beginning to bless your finances and he begin to bless your relationships and he's beginning to bless your heart. And all of a sudden a, a thought gets dropped in your head, man, I want a relationship now. And so you go out and you start looking for something when God says, no, 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 just wait, 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 wait. Delay that gratification because I have it for you tomorrow. Just wait, hold on. Oh, you say, God, I want this now. God, I want this now. And every single time God is moving in your life, we get bored. We get bored of our life. We get bored of just showing up to work. We get just bored of just serving. But every time I serve and every time I serve my boss, God blesses me. Every time I'm here and every time I'm around this environment, God, God blesses me. He's always with me. And all of a sudden, we just get a little bored. And I share this for your personal experience. Getting bored of the mundane and the consistency of just serving, just humbling myself, just reading my word, just being with people I love, just being with my family, just something in my head says, oh yeah, you want something more. You gotta get more. You gotta gratify that desire. You gotta get it right now. And every single time there's a distraction in our lives whenever God wants to do something powerful in our lives. Happens every time. And what happens is, is that we begin to make decisions based on the narrative of the evil one. So when we're in a season of our life, just listen, you're serving, you're giving, life's good, God's good, relationships are good, all of a sudden distraction comes up, and what happens is the devil leans in. Oh yeah, you're not good enough, you should take that. Oh yeah, you'll never do better than this, you should date him. Oh yeah, you'll never be prosperous. You'll never do this. Oh yeah, remember, you're not good enough. Yeah, prove it to everyone you're good enough by doing this. The enemy wants to come and use this distraction and you and I have to make a decision. No, I'm gonna continue to allow God to position me. I'm gonna allow God to place me. I'm gonna allow God to center me. I'm just gonna stay focused on serving him, serving the house of the Lord, giving my money, being, being, being around people I love, serving God, being humble, recognizing areas of blind spots. If you look up and you realize all of a sudden something God does in your life. He creates opportunity, opens a door, advances you forward, and it had nothing to do with you. <laughs> now look, as I end our time together, I want you to see this today. I want you to see in this verse what happened. So Joseph recognizes that he's having great favor. He says, I refuse. I'm going to delay my gratification. Look, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you're his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. He says basically this, lady, my life's good. I'm not gonna surrender the gift of God for what I think would be an immediate selfish gratification. And what happened? She continued to chase after him day after day and he refused. And one day, as you know, Joseph was in there with her and she waited till everybody was gone. And he grabbed the coat of Joseph and said, come and sleep with me. And he said, I refuse. I'm gonna delay today what God has for me tomorrow. I'm not gonna give in to this opportunity. I'm not gonna give in to this thing that's in front of me that's tempting and it looks good and it seems appealing, but in reality, it's based on my selfish nature, not on God's will for my life. No, I ain't gonna do it. And guess what happened? She says, rape! He tried to rape me! Joseph, the servants come in. 
and say, you try to rape Potiphar's wife? Potiphar comes home and Potiphar's ticked. Look at this verse, it says this. When his master heard the story, his wife told him saying, this is how your slave treated me. And he burned with anger. Do you know most theologians believe that Potiphar did not burn in anger against Joseph? He burned in anger against Potiphar's wife because she kept doing this to people. The reason I know this is because he's the chief executioner. If someone tried to sleep with my wife, I'd cut their head off. In that day, he could. The, 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 the crime or the consequence of rape was to be killed. At that moment, he could have taken him outside, brought his huge sword out and chopped his head off. But for some reason, Potiphar decided to do something different. It says in the scripture what he did. Joseph's master took him and put him it doesn't say threw him in. He took him. He put him in prison. Look where he put him. The place where the king's prisoners were confined. So what God did was, is God allowed Joseph to be in a pit where he was recognizing his blind spots. And said, God, forgive me for these areas of my life. God, I just want to hear your message about this season of stuckness in my life. I want to accept your word over my life. And then what happens is things start to do really good. And God starts to bless you. And God starts to move in your life. And the enemy brings up a distraction. He's saying, no, I'm not going to go towards that. I'm not going to chase after that. I know it's just based on my own selfish nature. I'm going to wait for God to position me. And yeah, in this story, he got accused of rape. But I don't believe Potiphar believed that he, that he tried to rape her. He took him and put him in the house of Pharaoh, positioning Joseph for our next chapter so happens that he got put in the prison not in the crappy prison down the street in the nice prison where all the nice folks went see if you delay that gratification in your life if you stop allowing your selfish nature or stop allowing this condemning thoughts to drive you in your life and just let God position you how he wants to position you he will prepare you for the palace he will prepare you for the dreams that God has for your life family, children, promotion, yeah. dreams. And did you know that no eye has seen and no ear has heard and no mind has conceived what God is in store for those who love him? Did you know that, that God can do above and beyond all that you can ask or dream or imagine according to God that's working within you, which means your dreams and your desires don't even compare to what God has for you. And he wants you to get there. Just stand to your feet this morning as we pray. Thank you for letting me go over today. Next week, we're going to talk about the prison to the palace. Come on, would you close your eyes for a moment? I want to pray for you. Come on, Father, we just pray for every person in the room today. I pray for those, God, who are here today and they're stuck. They're discouraged by their season. Holy Spirit, I pray that today they would know that, God, your way is so much better than our way. Father, many of us here don't even realize that the season that we're in is about us being prepared for a greater future than we ever imagined. And I pray today, God, for the grace, God, of God, the grace of Jesus to come into their lives and, Lord, to be with them and to encourage them and to lift them up, God, and speak life into them and hope into them knowing that this season will pass. It will pass. But, God, you want to do something in our lives. Come on, if you're here today, every eye closed, and you just say, Ryan, I, I don't know Jesus, and I'd like to start a relationship with him today. I don't have a relationship with him, but I'd like to start one. 
Come on, I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna call you forward, but it's just very simple. It's just placing your hand in the air real quick and then putting it down. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. Come on, you're here today and you'd like to give your life to Jesus Christ. Just quickly put your hand in the air, put it right back down and I'll just pray with you real quick. Come on, anybody in the room today? Come on, Father, we just pray, Father, for those watching online, those here today, Lord, that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, we will be healed. Lord, we love you, God, and we thank you, God, that you have us on a journey, Lord, that will bring such fulfillment and satisfaction in our lives. And we're thankful, Jesus, that you are our satisfaction. We love you today, God, and we thank you for an amazing time in your house today. Bless every person here in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.